Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. 1 Corinthians 15.3 For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Why just start there with that? Because when the Apostle Paul had written 15 of his 16 chapters to the church in Corinth, he paused for a moment and told them, this that I'm about to tell you is of first importance. Like what I'm about to tell you is a big deal. So we start there. And why start there today? Because today is important. And today's a big deal. I want to welcome you and thank you for making time in, in this kind of the middle of your day. For many of you, a busy weekend to join us for this Good Friday service, whether you are here in Auditorium 1, maybe you're joining us in Auditorium 2, maybe you're watching online. We are so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us together. Um, maybe this is your very first time to be together on a Good Friday service. Maybe it's a part of your um, kind of annual uh, practice as we come together to this very, very important weekend. In just a few moments, we're going to share together in communion. So I hope that when you were able to come into the auditoriums today, you were able to pick up the communion elements. If not, they're available right outside the entrances, both on the main floor as well as on the upper levels. If you're watching online, I'd encourage you maybe to take a moment and uh, try, to, try to find something that would represent the bread in the cup so that you can join in us, uh, with us here in just a few moments. Today is Good Friday. We've heard this story before, haven't we? <laughs> So why tell it again? Why take time to go back to this? Because Paul told us it's of first importance. Because Paul told us this was something we should go back to. And can I tell you, the things that are important, we should go back to over and over and over and over and over again, shouldn't we? The things that matter. I know I hear a lot of stories from different people of different generations, but I'll tell you one of the things that I'm thankful for is on a regular basis for as long as I can remember, my parents told me that they loved me, and I was thankful for that. And whether my kids always realized it or not, whether I always meant it or not, I always told them I loved them <laughs> because I wanted them to hear it. I could have just told them, you know, when they were little, and then that was enough, or I could have just told them once a year, like every year on their birthday, kind of said, hey, I love you, <laughs> see you in 12 months, right? I could have done that. But I told them over and over again. I still tell them over and over again. I still let them know. Do you know why? Because the things that are important, we want to make sure that we go back to over and over and over and over and over and over again. Agreed? <laughs> so that's why we come back to this same story again. And really today, we're only going to look at primarily this one verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church in a city called Corinth, 
And he's going to tell them something very important. And what I want to do is just kind of walk through this verse, kind of unpack it a little bit and show you why today this verse so connects to that cross and what Jesus did for us. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, he says, for what I received, I passed on to you. In fact, maybe let's hone in on that little phrase right there if we can. For what I received, I passed on to you. You'll hear that same language in a few moments when we get to the time when we share in communion in 1 Corinthians 11. And what Paul is doing there is actually something that was a Jewish practice in that language where he says, I received something, so I'm going to give it to you. He is transmitting religious instruction to people. It's sometimes referred to as traditioning. (laughs) He's taking a tradition and he's passing it along because it's important to do that. He is traditioning them. He's telling them this matters. The things that we tradition, the things we go back to, they matter. Think of who we are even as a nation. Does the 4th of July matter? (laughs) It's a great day for a cookout, isn't it? And the fireworks are fun. We get right down to it. Why do we do it? Well, we do it because it's part of our identity as a nation. It's one of the things we want to make sure we don't lose about a day like Memorial Day because Memorial Day lets us go back as a tradition, not just to have a Monday off, which I am thankful for, amen, (laughs) but to remember what it cost for us to have what we have in the United States of America. So the things that matter are the things we go back to and we repeat and those are things we pass along. We have, a, we have a few of these around the church here. I just, I just grabbed one of them that are these boxes that have memories in them. You probably have one in your attic or in your basement. They're filled with these little shiny pieces of paper we used to call pictures. Do you remember pictures? I don't know. I don't know if they're just going to put my phone in an attic someday. I don't know what my kids are going to do with it. But we have tons of these around here. This is, this is one of a mission service, probably 20 plus years ago over in our old building on Glendale. But as I went through some of these pictures, I even saw, I saw pictures of a very skinny children's pastor that was here back in the day. <laughs> and I looked at some of them and I remembered some of the things. And when I looked at them, I said, guess what? The things that were important to us then are still important to us now because we've been traditioning them. We want to pass them along because they're the things that matter. You have those in your life. You have those in your story. You have them in your family. You have things that you treasure. Paul says, what I am about to give to you matters. It's important. Don't let it slip from your mind or your consciousness. So that's why I'm so glad that you took time today to make this important, whether you're joining us online or you're here. Some of you are squeezing this in on your lunch break. Some of you have had this on your calendar, well, since last year, right? (laughs) Why? Because it matters. Paul says, what we're about to talk about, I'm passing it on to you because it matters. It's important to remember what is important. I hope you'll take time to do that this weekend that you'll give important time to remembering what Christ did for us. Which takes us then back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse three. He says this, for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. He says, this isn't just the important stuff, this is the really important stuff. Because if you don't have this first, that word first has kind of a double meaning, right? In part, it means it's the, it's the 
lead thing in the sequence, but it also means it has the most value. And this is true about everything he's about to say in this chapter. He says, look, this is of first importance and don't miss it. We'll actually come back to this, this very kind of passage of scripture in our Easter services. If you don't already have plans to, uh, to be somewhere for Saturday or Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want to formally invite you to join us here at Calvary. We're going to have services, uh, five of them, five options, two tomorrow at four and at six, three on Sunday, kind of a regular times of 8, 15, 10, and 11, 45. We would love to have you um, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with us. And Paul says, when you're telling these stories, let me get you right back to the thing that's most important. And it's this, this is of first importance. These are the basics and the basics matter, don't they? Because if you don't come back to it over and over again, then you're missing out. I had dinner last night. Anybody else? <laughs> it was awesome. It was good. I had leftovers, actually. Anybody ever have leftovers? These were better the second time. Do you ever have those? I had dinner last night. Can I tell you a funny story? I had dinner the night before, too. Anybody else? <laughs> the night before that, guess what I had? Dinner. I don't necessarily remember it, but I'm thankful for it. I still keep some of it. Anybody else? Right? Why do I, do that? I have dinner every night. And sometimes I even have the same things over and over again. But I'm thankful for them because if I don't come back to the same things over and over again, I start to miss out. I start to lose the things that are really important. Paul says, I'm going to repeat this story to you. I'm going to tell you the same story again. What you remember is important, and it's important that you remember the things that are important. He says, I'm going to tell you this again because this is of first importance, and here's what he says. Jesus is the most important. Of all the things that you can talk about, of all the things that you can look at, Jesus is the most important. When you, when you read 1 Corinthians 15, Paul almost gives, we'll see this on Sunday, almost a little bit of a recipe for your faith. Any bakers in the room? You got to make sure you have the ingredients right, don't you? And you can, you can add all your different flavors. You can have your, your family's secret ingredient. Anybody got a secret ingredient for that cake, that pie, those cookies, those cupcakes, something. But when you're baking that, you got to have the flour to start with, right? You might not use regular flour. Maybe your almond flour. Maybe you're trying to do a flourless cake. I don't know what you're doing. But you have to have some kind of base. And if you don't have that, the rest of it is a failure. So Paul says, the story I'm about to tell you is of first importance. And the most important part is Jesus. I, I wanted to finish this sentence. I wanted to say Jesus is the most important part, or he's the most important thing, or he's the most important person. And I just thought that's a good place just to put the period there, isn't it? Like he's, he's the most important. Why? Because in the recipe of faith and in the recipe of your life, remember that what Jesus did on the cross is at the very heart of the gospel. It's why we believe. Because when Jesus died on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross is at the very heart of the gospel, which takes us back then to the verse we're looking at. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Paul says, for what I received, right? This is traditioning. What I received, it's important. I passed on to you. This is the most important. You won't have a cake unless you put the flour in. You won't have the truth unless you add this. And here it comes. That Jesus Christ, that Christ died for us. That Christ died. Did you notice that he doesn't use the name Jesus here? 
which is a little unique for Paul. He calls him Christ. The reason being that the word Christ is connected to the Hebrew word Messiah. The Hebrew word Messiah means the one who saves. So when Paul says the Christ, he's kind of giving you a little shorthand to say, this, this is the, the, the thing that matters because this is the act. This is the person who saves us. Are you thankful for that? Because Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. Now, I hope you had a privilege. I'm, I'm so thankful for our team um, and what they did to provide the passion experience. Did anybody have a chance to go through that? If, if you did not, um, I hope in the future we'll be able to offer that again. It was a, just a powerful opportunity for people to remember what Christ did for us. Don't forget what Christ did. He, he died for our sins and not just some guy did something for us but actually the only one who could save us. This is, uh, take, your, take your political hats off for a moment while I tell this story. Is that all right? Go ahead, everybody help me. Just, just kind of, all right, good. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell a story about the COVID vaccine. Real quick, take your hat off. <laughs> Guy in Germany, they just found out, has received the COVID vaccine about 90 times. Because every time he did it, he got a vaccination card, and then he would sell them to other people who didn't want to get the vaccine. This was his, this was his shtick to make some cash, right? He would get vaccinated, and then he would sell that on a, a I, I don't know, can you do that on Marketplace? I don't know where you do that, right? And he would sell these cards, so that's where he was making cash. It, he, he got busted because he went to the same clinic two days in a row. And then they kind of tracked him down. The, the article is interesting. It said, we don't know yet the effects. Yeah, I bet you don't. <laughs> but here's a guy who maybe even in some, some ways thought he was helping some people out. He's probably just trying to make cash. I don't know. But what's interesting is he took someone else's place to go through something that they didn't have to so that then they could technically get the benefit of it which in some ways you might even find a parallel to what jesus did for us except that what jesus did for you was not a fake he he didn't just kind of stand in your place and then give you something of no value instead when jesus took the pain for us he did something that changed everyone, it's everything. True? That's what Jesus did when Christ died for us. He literally died to save us from, to pay the price for, to bring forgiveness from our sins. And he did it when Christ died on the cross. The gospels take a lot of time to tell this story You read it in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John gives this little synopsis where he says this, John chapter 19, verse 17. He says, carrying his own cross, he, Jesus, went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And if you're not familiar with this, one of the words to refer to the place of the skull or Golgotha is Calvary. That's even where we get our name as a church from, isn't it? The place where Jesus 
died for us. And there they crucified him and with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. John just gives this, I mean, literally in four words, he sums up what happened to Jesus. There they crucified him. And we have this little picture. The picture that comes up in your mind of a crucified Jesus may have a lot to do with the church background that you have, doesn't it? Like what you've maybe seen in a sanctuary or in stained glass or a picture in your family home. We have these ideas of crucifixion, but when we read this, we have just kind of a snapshot. When the people in the first century read that, they didn't have a snapshot. They had a whole movie because they had seen crucifixions happen. They had seen them all throughout the Roman Empire. And what was interesting, after a crucifixion, the cross would stay visible publicly for quite some time because it was a reminder to other people, you don't want that to happen to you. So when people read John's gospel in the first century, he wrote, there they crucified him. To us, it's four words. To them, it unpacked unspeakable horrors. In a, in a book called The Life of Christ, Frederick Farrar, a British author from a different century, summarized crucifixion in this way. He said, a death by crucifixion seems to include all that pain and death can have of the horrible and ghastly. Dizziness, cramps, thirst, starvation, sleeplessness, traumatic fever, shame, publicity of the shame, long continuance of torment, horror of anticipation, mortification of intended wounds, all intensified just up to the point at which they can be endured at all but all stopping just short of the point which would give the sufferer the release of unconsciousness. The unnatural position made every movement painful, and while each variety of misery went on gradually increasing, there was added to them the intolerable pang of burning and raging thirst. Here's how Farrar concludes the part that he says. He says, one thing is clear, the first century executions were not like the modern ones, for they did not seek a quick, painless death, nor the preservation of any measure of dignity for the criminal. On the contrary, they sought an agonizing torture that completely humiliated him. It's important that we understand this, for it helps us realize the agony of Christ's death. I find it's important for me on Good Friday to take time to remember the agony of what Christ did for me, to remember his suffering, to remember the pain that he went through. And when Paul recounts this, he tells us this story. He says it's of first importance. He tells us that Christ died for us because this is a message of what Jesus did for us, of what he went through because he loved us. If I'm not careful, I can have a tendency to make Good Friday all about me and just focus on what I get out of the deal. When it's really important for me to realize that what we remember today isn't really about me. It's not really about you. It's about Jesus, isn't it? It's about what he did for us. It's about the price that he paid it's about his great love. Pastor Bindle already shared this passage with us from Romans chapter 5, but it reminds us that Christ's story gives meaning to our lives 
It's not our story that gives meaning to Christ. It's not who I am that makes what Jesus did important. It's what Jesus did that gives my life any meaning at all. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But he says, and he reminds us, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, before I got everything right, before anybody came to help me clean up my act, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody else thankful for that? Which takes us, which takes us back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. For what I received, Paul says, I, I traditioned, I passed on to you a first importance, because it's important for us to remember the things that are important, that Christ died. See, this is all about what he did, not who you are, but what he did, that Christ died for our sins. And we all have them, don't we? <laughs> if, you, if you look, if you take a good look at what comes flowing through the stream of your life, if somebody else were to examine them, what they'd find is that you and me and everybody else has sinned. There's a factory in New Zealand that makes frozen French fries. Anybody hungry? It's fish and chip Friday, isn't it? That's kind of... That's what they, they call them. They're called Mr. Chips in New Zealand. They have this factory, and they get potatoes that come in. Literally, when they get a delivery, you're talking hundreds of thousands of potatoes at a time. And there was a guy whose job was to make sure that these potatoes are kind of moving down the conveyor belt. They're watching. And one's coming down the, the line, and he's like, that doesn't, that doesn't look right kind of thing. So he pulls this, this weird-looking potato off the line and he looks at it and he goes, well, that's a muddy rock. It doesn't look right, which nobody wants a muddy rock in your French fries, do you? He says, well, that's not right. And he starts cleaning it up and looking at it and he goes, well, that's not a rock. And so literally the, the article said that he went and found, quote, a coworker who has watched a lot of war movies and said, does that look like a grenade to you? And it was an active grenade kind that had been used back in, in the, the First and Second World Wars that had been buried in a field somehow, somewhere, and got dug up with a bunch of potatoes, that'd give a little snap to your french fries, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> there coming down the line was something that if they hadn't caught it, might have had the potential to destroy them all. That's our sins, isn't it? Many of us, we look great on the outside, maybe even seems like we have it all together, and yet you look close enough, there's, there's something coming down the line in our lives. For, for many of us, the sins that challenge us are the things in our past, things that maybe other people know about, and we feel like that's the thing that defines us, or maybe something that very few people or maybe no one else knows about. And they don't realize how much it defines us, how much of our lives it shapes. For some of us, it's not a sin in the past. For some of us, it's, it's that thing in the present 
It's that temptation that has your number and calls quite frequently. And every time it does, it has the potential to put even more guilt, shame, and disappointment in your life. It's that attitude that sometimes seems to just kind of crop up out of nowhere and then blows up in our lives. It's that temptation to look at or say or go or take. It's that jealousy or that fear. It's that anxiety that we know God says we should cast on him, but we don't. It's those words that he says we should put a guard over our mouth, but it feels good to say them. Anybody know those words? It's that bitterness that we hold on to. I, I could go on and on. It's that moment when we feel like, I just want to disobey my parents. And it's that moment when we say, I'm just going to disobey God. And we all have these moments where we wrestle with that sin. And it comes right down to this, that our sin separates us from God. I don't know if you've ever used that language or thought of it in this way, but there's these times where your life has that guilt or it has that shame or you feel that, that something is not whole inside of you and that's because our sin separates us from God. It distances us from him. And for those of us that have known a right relationship with God, we know the feeling of loss when things aren't right between us and him. Anybody? Now, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I never know that anymore. No, we all do. And then for some of us, maybe there's just this, I don't know, you're sitting here in this room or you're watching this on a screen somewhere and you go, there's this emptiness in me that I don't know what to do with. It's because our sin separates us from God. So what did Paul say? Well, he said, let me tradition to you the most important thing because it's important that we remember what's important, that Christ died and when he died, he did it for this reason. Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price for our sins. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, back in the, in the 400s AD, what's referred to as an early church father named Cyril of Alexander, one of the scholars of the early centuries of the church, said this about Jesus. He said, he made his life be an exchange for the life of all. One died for all in order that we all might live to God, sanctified and brought to life through his blood, justified as a gift by his grace. Hundreds of years before that, the prophet Isaiah said it this way. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. That, that's, that's a good one to pause on for a moment and not think that you've dodged a bullet on that one. Like all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That Old Testament scripture takes us right back to 1 Corinthians 15.3 that says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures. Did, did you just see that? We just read an Old Testament scripture in Isaiah 53 
that was a prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus was even born that what would happen to Jesus is that he would die for our sins according to the scriptures. See, this wasn't something that God was making up on the fly. He was thinking about this. He had you and I in mind. It was foretold hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born that what Jesus would do for you is die. The death of Jesus Christ was not an afterthought. It was planned. Aren't you thankful sometimes when you see something that benefits you and you realize that somebody loved you enough, cared enough for you to plan that? To make it deliberate? Dale Irby is a physical education teacher. He was. He's been retired for about 10 years. He was a physical education teacher in uh, the Dallas area of Richardson, Texas. Back in 1973, he had to go for his yearbook picture. And so when Mr. Irby went, he got dressed in kind of his typical garb. Here's the picture right there. He wore kind of that sweater vest and he had that shirt. Very 1973, isn't it? So the next year he went back and when he got his yearbook picture back, he looked and he realized... He'd worn the same outfit two years in a row. He's super embarrassed. He was like, it wasn't right. So he said to his wife, look at this. And she said, I dare you to do it again. And after five years, he said, why stop? So let me show you. This was 1973. This was 83. This was 93. 2003. This is when he retired in 2012. Same outfit for 40 years of yearbook pictures. We're not celebrating the guy because he taught physical education for 40 years. We're celebrating him because of that horrible outfit. He even got to the point where it didn't fit anymore. So he'd wear something else to school, change clothes for the picture, and then change again because of consistency. Dale aged pretty well, don't you think? And here was the comment that the author of this article said, nice to have something you can count on these days, isn't it? (laughs) Something consistent. Thanks, Dale, for the reminder. And thanks, God, for that truth. Because when Jesus died for you, he died for you according to the scriptures. Not because God made it up. Not because he was consistent for 40 years. But because the death of Jesus Christ was not an afterthought. He had it in his mind. Well, literally, look what scripture says. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13 is kind of giving some bad news here. So, So as we read through the first part of the message, focus on the end. It says, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. That's not a great Easter weekend message, I guess. But it says, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm thankful my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Anybody else? Who's the lamb? Well, he's the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Not when God said, well, here's a thought. Let's try to fix it this way. You ever done that with a plumbing problem? You're not God's plumbing problem. You're God's child. And since the creation of the world, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to show him my love. And to do this, It will require the death of my son, but I will do it not as an afterthought. I'll do it because I love them. 
Really just kind of one verse we're honing in on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. We do this today because it's important to remember the things that are important. And this is important, isn't it? That Jesus died. That Christ died. That he paid the horrific price that only he could pay for our sins. And his love was shown to us because he did it according to the scriptures. It wasn't an afterthought. He had it planned all along because he wanted you to know how much he loved you. So he died for you so that you could know forgiveness, so that what's broken in your life could experience healing so that the places where there's emptiness, he could bring wholeness. So that the things that you can't do for yourself, he could do for you. He died for your sins. And I'm so, 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 so thankful for that. For my birthday this year, our daughter and son-in-law live a couple hours away. And they said, hey, why don't, why don't you come down here for a couple of days? And uh, we'll celebrate kind of just together. We have three kids. One currently lives uh, overseas. One lives in Missouri. And uh, our daughter and her husband live uh, central Ohio. So we were like, okay, yeah, we'll come down there. So we went down there. And it was a Friday night. We got there right around dinner time. And Carissa said, hey, we've already ordered dinner. And uh, so why don't you just sit down for a few minutes, and it'll be here probably in about a half an hour. It's like, oh, okay, that's cool. So we're sitting on the couch, and uh, all of a sudden, there was a, there was a knock on the door, and I was like, good, I'm hungry. <laughs> and we're sitting in their apartment on the couch, and there's a knock on the door. Nobody moves. <laughs> and I'm like, somebody ought to get up, because it's my birthday. <laughs> Nobody got up. So finally, I'm like, well, the longer we sit here, the colder the food gets. And I open the, walk over to the apartment door, and I open it. And as I'm opening the door, I hear, DoorDash, like that. <laughs> and when I open the door, I realize that on the other side of this door, holding the food, thankfully, stand my son and daughter-in-law who live 10 hours away. And they had, dri- they had driven this I didn't get choked up then, but I do now. What's the matter with me? <laughs> they drove 10 hours just to be there for my birthday. And I had no idea this was happening. And I don't like having tricks pulled on me. <laughs> I want to be in control of this stuff. And it was wild. Because they did that for me. This is a story about how wonderful my birth is, isn't it? No. <laughs> this story isn't about me. Do you know who it's about? It's about my kids and my wife who schemed against me <laughs> to do something wonderful. So I'm telling you this story because of what they did for me because they loved me. And they planned it months in advance and kept it from me. <laughs> Until that moment. 
And every so often, I, I still in my mind rewind back to that, DoorDash, do you have memories like that? When it's like, isn't it good to know that somebody loves you enough to do something special for you? This isn't a story about me, and Good Friday isn't a story about you. It's all a story about Jesus, who loved you so much that he would do something so special for you that had been planned since the creation of the world so that your sins could be forgiven. And it was just on Good Friday that he delivered that grace to us so that our lives could be changed. So we're going to come to the Lord's table in just a moment, but before we do, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We'll read here in just a moment that Paul tells us that we should examine ourselves before we come to the Lord's table. So if if that's the case, my first question is, are things right between you and God on this Good Friday? Like, do you know that things are good between you and him? That your sins are forgiven? That you have hope that only comes from him? that you've experienced the the grace that Jesus died so that you could know it. Because for many of us watching online in this building, we're gonna share in these communion elements in just a moment, and we're gonna give thanks to the Lord because he did what no one else could do for us. We're gonna thank him for his grace, and we're gonna remember But maybe today you'd say, Chad, before I can do that, I need need things to be right in my life. There's a place where I need forgiveness. And so right now I need to stop and say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Or there's a place in my life where, where there's things I'm holding on to that I need to entrust to God, or I've been trying to do it on my own too long, or I need him. Or maybe it's just a place where you go, my life is empty, and I know that only Jesus can fill it. And so today what I need is his grace and I need his forgiveness. And there's no time better than right now for you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you're in this room or you're in auditorium too or you're watching this on a screen somewhere and right now you would say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own anymore and I need you as my savior, as my Lord. I need your forgiveness. I need your purpose in my life. And today I say, Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, thanks, thank you. Anybody else? Jesus, I give you my life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do before we share in communion together. If you raised your hand to say that you need to give your life to Jesus, or if today you'd say, I know his forgiveness and his grace in my life today, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sin and be my savior, I give my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Look, if you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you have recommitted your heart to Christ today, 
I encourage you, stop by out in the new here area in our atrium. We have some friends there. We'd love to put a Bible in your hand that you can easily read and understand and learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to take the communion elements with me, if you would, please. And as you peel back that first clear layer that's there, would you hold the bread in your hands? Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we hold the bread in our hands together, would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We hold this as first importance that Christ died for our sins. And we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you did for us what we could not do on our own. And that Jesus, because of what you did on that first Good Friday, when you died on the cross for our sins, you have given us life. And we thank you for this as we share in the bread together in Jesus' name. Let's share in the bread together. And I invite you to take the communion element and as you pull back that second layer to open the cup, Paul says, in the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And Father, we thank you for the cup that symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. And that it's through your blood that we have forgiveness. And it's through your blood that we have life. And it's because of your blood that there is healing and there is hope. And so we remember your sacrifice as we share in the cup together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's share in the cup. And can I ask you to stand with me again, if you would, please? And we are going to conclude our time by one more time just thanking Jesus, singing a song of praise for what he did for us. If you're comfortable, would you right now just lift your hands to the Lord? With your own words, would you thank him for his sacrifice? Be as specific as you want. Thank him for forgiveness, for healing, that the work that he did on the cross changes our lives love you Jesus we thank you we thank you for the price you paid for us in Jesus name amen
we did today was of first importance because it's important to remember the things that are important. So here's what I will challenge you to do. Before this day's over, find just a moment where, and I know for some of us this is easier said than done, but find just a moment where it's just you and Jesus. And would you thank him? And remember what he did through his death, not just for all of us, but what he did for you and give him thanks. And then when you've done that today, we start looking forward to what he did on Sunday, do we not? And we celebrate, yeah, absolutely. We're gonna come back to that. We're gonna come back this weekend to what Paul said is of first importance. So I hope you'll join us tomorrow night, four and six. Sunday, 8, 15, 10, and 11, 45, as we remember Christ's sacrifice and we celebrate his resurrection because what he did for us on that weekend so long ago makes all the difference. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for who you are and who we are because of you. I ask that as we go into these next few hours, we would be reminded of your sacrifice. And as we go throughout this weekend, we would experience your resurrection life. We look forward to celebrating your resurrection together in the moments ahead. Would you send us from here with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Invite someone to be with you for our Easter services. Have a great weekend. Take care. Thanks for being here.